Winches and scallywags, rugrats over 18 years of age, prudes avert your ears and eyes. The Asylum Studio brings to you a show to bend your mind and implode your morals. Ethics be damned. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Chaos and Disorder. Don't adjust your dial. Chaos and Disorder is actually back for a third straight week. I am your host with the most, the talent, Rick Flieger, joined as always by the man that time forgot, a man still lamenting the invention of the wheel because it thinks it just spoils the next generation, the gray-haired bloviation machine, Mr. Rick Briggs, and behind the glass, where he belongs, out of the kink but with a fresh new warning sign in his yard, for those asking, his preferred pronouns are drunk, drunker, and delusional, the St. Mary Sasquatch, Mr. Alejandro Finkelstein. I believe he's out of the clink. Yes, that's what I said. You said the kink. Oh, did I? Yes. Well, never out of the it kink. It kind of tied together with why he was in the clink, exactly, if you know yes. what I mean. Gotcha. Of course, you can follow the show and all of Rick Rick Briggs' jokes that were last appropriate in 1957 on Twitter at Chaos and Disorder. If you're interested in Finkelstein's newest recipe for prison toilet wine, check that out over on Facebook. At Facebook, God, I can't talk at Chaos and Disorder Pod. Jesus! And I think we finally settled the direct email debate, right? It seems like we have a different one every single week, but we finally put it together. I don't know. Exactly. Send all of your comments, queries, questions, death threats, whatever you need, to the official show mailbox, Finkelstein's Foddy Emporium at Grinder.com. You nailed that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that's where they go. We might be mixing side hustles that Finkelstein yeah. has, but the messages will get to us. But the box tends to fill quickly. Yeah. So just in case it's full and it kicks back, go to Asylum Football at Gmail or Chaos and Disorder Pod at Gmail. Get one in. Yeah. You know. Finkelstein's Foddy Emporium. At grinder.com is where you want to do it. Thanks for using my tagline. Get one in. <laughs> That'd be a good email inbox, actually. Yeah. I remember that. I'll have to jot that down. There you go. So this time of year sucks, Rick. At least for me. I hate the NFL draft. I couldn't be any less interested. I love the NBA draft. playoffs. Bleh. Yeah. Hockey hasn't started yet. Yeah, that that month and, off and late start or everything, they should be into the playoffs by now. Exactly. And and the thing about, and we've lamented about this a gazillion times, you can't really get into the hockey because there's no exposure. Right. There, I'm not, there's no series that, if it even started today, that would really pop, oh, man, I would love to see the, whoever, Leafs and Wild or whatever right. the case may be, because you probably won't see them anyway. No. No, I, I was hopeful for this year with the NHL. They had the deal with, what, TNT games will pop up. They had some ESPN games. But, again, they're so few and far between. And now now that the NBA playoffs have started, you know, hockey's going to be nowhere to be found across either of those networks. So, I don't know, I'll get into it. I, I will. Oh, Peng- yeah, Penguins no will get eliminated in six in the first round, and then I'll really get involved to get excited about the playoffs. But – just a tough, tough time of year for sports. But I'll tell you one good thing. You, I'm sure you didn't watch it because it started at 8.30 p.m. Now, now, hold on to your seat, but I was able to start watching said show at 8.30 p.m. that didn't own to, end until 10, and I was able to make it through the whole thing, right? You'd right. been in bed for three hours. 
But what show are you referring to? The Greg Norman thirty for thirty that aired on ESPN. You know, last I night. saw some things on Twitter about that. I didn't even realize it was on. Yeah. I, I will yeah. definitely check it out. Because it happened after four thirty. No, I mean, I mean it's it's. Um, I mean, I actually stayed up and watched NCAA basketball. Believe it or not, I mean that last was, night. I, I think no, that might have been mean, during the tournament. Wow. You know, with the championship game. Remember, I told you, I'm, I was dragging. Into the studio and just to be here for you. Oh yeah, that, that's I why was you exhausted. Did <laughs> you really, really battled through. I'll tell you what, I didn't have. First of all, you know I hate ESPN, but these thirty for thirties are great. They Maybe are. it's just because I'm a rube, I'm a dummy, and any, any actual factual anything presented as facts really impresses me because I don't deal much in facts or pay attention to anything. But this, again, was really, really well done. And, and, and I was curious. I don't have a lot of sense of Greg, Greg Norman. He was kind of at the end when, as I got involved, mm-hmm. you know, as Tiger came about. But I, I found it curious. You know, they kind of presented him as this tragic story, right? So, so kind of it was just his youth, his rise to fame, and then the 86 Masters, the 86, what was it? PGA, I think, the 87 Masters, and then the ultimate collapse in 96. And he kind of really focused on that, and they were real dramatic, right? Like they took Greg Norman back to Augusta, back to Augusta and I he was standing in the spots where he messed up, and, and he was all sad, and it was everybody talking about what a tragedy it was and him kind of shrugging his shoulders, you know what I mean? And, yeah, you know, I kind of walked away with a guy who won a ton of tournaments yeah. and made a billion dollars and came away with two i think two majors two majors two two open championships i don't view this as a tragic story or as a failure of a career which is where they seemed the kind of the narrative for me before watching this was and they tried to paint him in that light and i didn't see it no i mean certainly failed opportunities for you know added majors slash glory Oh, yeah, definitely. No doubt about that. But he certainly wasn't a, a Scott Hope that showed up one time at the Masters, blew a three-footer, and never heard from again. Right. Um, you know, Norman was always around the hunt. I mean, and, and there were plenty of times when he was in contention and didn't blow it. I right. mean, he was just played a solid round but was outplayed by somebody else. But, yeah, I, I'm like you. I don't view him as some tragic story of Marty Fleckman or whoever. Um no, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he had his chances and, and blew some of them, but he also won a couple, right? So, yeah, you know, is is he going to go down in a top five? No, but he's certainly not going to be, you know, like we just said, in in the realm of some of these other players. But what I was unaware of in a time where where Jack Nicholas was still winning tournaments, you know, the rise of some younger golfers. Even if he didn't have those successes in the majors, what I found surprising was how dominant he was for a several-year stretch. There was one year, was it 87, around in there. Again, this is this is kind of before my time watching watching golf, but he had entered 27 tournaments and won 11 of them. I mean, yeah. that, that's Tiger Woods territory there, you, you know. Right. So he 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 was completely done. It, it was an interesting story. So and a lot of them were international tournaments. I get it. I mean, 
But yeah, so what? Yeah, it was, it winning, was still high competition. Yeah, what, what Canadian Opens he won. He won an Australian Open. And right. how he even became eligible for the Masters in '81, I, I believe it was, was his first Masters. They said it was kind of even a cool background story. Like he didn't grow up, you know, as a young man playing golf. He wasn't engineered in the lab like Tiger Woods to right. be a pro golfer. He actually played played football, and, and they showed him like in look more like rugby or whatever. But his, they were his mother was being interviewed said he grew up playing football and he he injured an eye or something and she wouldn't mm-hmm. let him play anymore so to kill the time he was bored he would go out and caddy for his mother who was a scratch go- or was a three handicap and she just played in the local ladies league and right. <laughs> she was a three had just a great golfer and so then while she was up drinking as they said tea <laughs> after the tournament or after the yeah, league round, or whatever, right. he'd go out and started playing, and he, he could really hit the ball, and he really liked it. Within a year, he was scratch. A year after that, he won the Australian Open to become eligible for the Masters, just like you talk about a natural. There was right. no grooming, no anything. It's just, he went. He tried it while she was up at the clubhouse, kind of enjoyed it, got hooked on it. Within a year, taught himself to be a major champion. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, and – you know, he won the Australian Open. Hey, maybe that's not the Master U.S. Open, but that's not like the Butler Invitational no, over no, here either. No, you this, know, I mean, that's no. This isn't winning me a couple of Nassau's at Crendale. <laughs> right. I mean, this is pretty big deal. He does this within a two years, right? You know what I mean? And then it kind of goes on, and it, I, I like listening to golfers, right? In in the, the kind of the background behind it so it was the 87 masters that i kind of found most interesting they were talking about that the larry Mize, yeah chip and i think he bogeyed what three holes on the back nine it wasn't some epic collapse he kind of came back to the field right. and, and let Mize hang around and they're on that playoff hole and Mize actually hit to where he ended up chipping in from hit his second shot before norman hit right and greg norman's talking he says i know this course I know where he's at. There is no way he gets this up and down. So I'm just going to lay this in the middle of the green. I'm going to two-putt in, and I'm going to win the Masters. And then Larry Mize goes down there, and from everything they say, that's an impossible shot. It was. It's just an impossible shot. So now he's got to make it just to tie. You can get it on YouTube. Do yourself well, they, a favor. They oh, showed okay. it. Well, they yeah, showed you it. saw yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, he could never do yeah. that again for 20 yeah. years. I mean, but Greg Norman said, in my mind, there was no chance. Not that he holds it. There was no chance he could get up and down from there. Right. He's going to bogey. I just got to get it on the surface and two putt, and I win the Masters. So, to paint this as some failure by – he right. says, all right, knowing what I know now – I'd have gone at the flag. But at the time, you know, it, it didn't yeah. make any sense. And they showed the, it was kind of the same thing, the 86 uh, PGA. It was somebody else hold out from a bunk- bunker to beat him, the exact same Who thing. Who was that? Was that Nick Price? No. Oh, a uh, weird name. Uh, uh, it's going to drive me nuts now. I watched this thing 18 hours ago, <laughs> so, of course, I, I can't remember right now. Bob Tway, maybe? Bob Tway sounds familiar, but yeah, mid to late 80s, yes, definitely. But holes out from a bunker there. You're right, it was Bob Tway, yes. Was it? You're allowed to speak. Sorry, I was really far away from the mic. (laughs) All right, so, so I remember that. So again, 
holes out from a I believe that was on 18, right? Holes out from a bunker. Now he's got a long putt, and and you forget how close he was. That even when they were trying to paint 86 as a collapse, right? So he collapsed on the front. Meanwhile, Jack made what about seven birdies in the last 12 holes? Oh, on the pa- Masters, yeah, passes him, and then you know. Jack Nicholson, Nicholson, yeah, or Nicholas holes out, <laughs> and then all all Shark does is birdie four in a row through seven to seventeen. Comes up and he missed that putt to win the thing by about a quarter of an inch. And then all right, yeah, let's you not- hit one bad shot on eighteen in the master. I'm sorry, on seventeen he missed that putt. You hit one bad shot on eighteen and Jack Nicholas beat you. Yeah, a lot of shame in that. <laughs> right? and, and yeah, and he just shot a sixty five on a what was it, a thirty on the back. Right. And and Ballesteros was really the one that collapsed mm-hmm. in that Masters, dunk it in the water on fifteen. And, you know, just basically threw that away. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you get beat by two impossible chip-ins. Yeah. I I don't see that that's a a, a tragic collapse. Look at the 79 Masters. You want to see an epic collapse. Ed Sneed, a three-shot lead. Bogey, bogey, bogey. He finishes and gets into playoff with Fuzzy Zeller and Tom Watson. And and Zeller ends up birdieing to win. I mean, that's, that's collapse. Yeah, and I think what I found most interesting, which which at the same time kind of ran counter to the entire story they were trying to tell, is there, there's a piece in the middle. So kind of Norman came in like a like a house on fire and dominating and winning tournaments, and then there's a period after '86, '87 into the early '90s, a four or five year period where he didn't play well at all anywhere. Right. He he wasn't winning anything. And so they tell the story. He becomes kind of the first major mark media guy. He's doing ads for absolutely oh, yeah. everybody. He's designing, you know. And they said, you know, own hats yeah, of the shark. Greg Norman yeah. was more interested in running his business enterprise and making money. His favorite thing to do. They talked to other players, joked about, said if he lived across from the court, the course, he would still take a helicopter to the first tee. <laughs> So he kind of liked that lifestyle, right. and so he kind of made that choice. I'd rather be a multimillionaire than be the best golfer to ever play. Right. So to me, telling that story takes away from this tragedy. The fact that he was more interested in that, which is fine. I'd make that choice, sure. I'll tell you that. I'd be out there on the practice green all day or i could be out making a billion dollars selling epson computers is one of the things they were showing (laughs) but you know i would make that same decision so in again the fact that he won two majors won all these tournaments with a mild interest in golf is pretty damn impressive to me oh there's no doubt about that and you think about it i mean he came on the scene basically like johnny miller did when he came on just win 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 i mean it, it was ridiculous but, you know, a lot of people forget that, you know, you talk about towards the end of Nicholas. You know, he was like in his 40s. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, but, you know, Tom Watson, you know, Johnny Miller, Lanny Watkins, Ben Crenshaw, that whole breed, it's like a decade younger than Nicholas. Right. I mean, they weren't old. No, no. And, you know, I mean, he came on like a house of fire. You're right. And, and for him to – step back and say, okay, I'm going to build something that's going to last my lifetime. I mean, that's that's a visionary. I mean, yeah. that, that's looking ahead. Right, yeah, and it was, you know, it's, they painted it anyhow as he was the first guy who really that became his focus, and he was busier, 
working on his, I think they kept referring to it as business empire, you know. Right. Hey, <laughs> no shame. And so the, the house they're sitting in, presumably his house, to, you know, talk about the tragic failed career he had and ask him questions like it was a funeral dirge, you, know, you could fit this studio in 17 times. So I'm thinking yeah. you don't have to feel too bad. <laughs> the studio probably is not large enough for all of his trophies. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So it's From ch- the tragic Check career. it out. Check it out. Oh, You'll definitely. like it. Because it, it, I always really liked Greg Norman anyway. And, and it was, um, you know, th- that was a player. I remember 96. That was kind of when I was first starting to get into it. Tiger was winning the amateurs, and you were hearing about a little bit. And mm-hmm. that, that's the year I graduated high school. So I'm paying that was attention. what Faldo won that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, f- yes. And even that one, that felt I, I had a memory of Greg Norman collapsing there. Right. What I didn't realize is it was never even close. Yeah, he came in with the big lead. Right. He shit the bed instantly. Yeah. And Faldo took off, and he they crossed. It was like the- an eleven stroke swing i think it went he went from six up to losing by five so this wasn't he right. pulled some two-foot putt on 18 i mean everybody knew by about number seven this thing was over <laughs> exactly. so that actually feels like although an epic collapse feels like less of a tragedy than they were trying to sell it at yeah it was kind of like you know i ain't got it today yeah and yeah it's just simple as that you but- know and they give some, and and they they seem to me. I'll be interested to see what you think when you watch it. They kind of tried to slough it off as he was saying, you know, kind of what was going through his head. And he said, and you, you golfers or pro athletes in general, if they start getting in their own head, you know, well the big thing is. He comes off the course, he goes to dinner, he comes back and finds his private plane gone. This is Greg Norman, right? right. Well, it turns out his pilot or his handler, somebody flew to Texas or somewhere to pick up a bunch of family and business associates to fly them in. This is Saturday night for the for the victory celebration <laughs> on Sunday. Right. He said, that started to get in my head. And then there was something Peter Costas had made some comment about on the Golf Channel that he noticed some fatal flaw in his swing and that it could become a factor. I think Costas was just trying to make the argument that please watch Sunday. There's still yeah, a chance this right. happened. And Norman says, I heard that. That got in my head. And, and then they start, They showed clips of him out on the course and messing with his grip and taking 45 wow. seconds addressing the ball to get into his swing, he said. And these are just – and it started snowballing and snowballing. And Faldo's not missing. You know, Faldo didn't shoot 63, but he was just steady as a rock right. and kept rolling. And they it just completely it, – it was a cool story. Like I said, I didn't come away with what ESPN was trying to make me come away with, but still really well done and fun to watch. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. We'll have to talk about that again a little bit next week. That's uh, – yeah, very interesting. I, I always did like Greg Norman and, you know, from what you said, painting him as, as a tragedy is almost humorous. Yeah. Just sitting yeah. here listening to that. but uh, Especially when they spent a good 20 minutes saying how much he really enjoyed the lavish lifestyle his golf provided him. There's your answer right exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> He's fine. There's your answer. You know, and going back to last week, you know, with the Masters. Our airing of grievances. Ch- yeah, will. our airing of grievances. I'm more jovial today, if you haven't did, noticed. I am too, but I, I, it did kind of strike me. <laughs> I don't me. think you are. <laughs> oh, I'm very jovial, you can tell. Be quiet, Finkelstein. <laughs> anyway. When, boy, when are you going to get your act 
Is there any way to convey via an audio medium what happened here with Rick thinking sun hitting a table was a white powder? I don't think I can even do it justice, no, right? I don't think that. All right. Okay. We won't try. But going back to the Masters last week, I really started just thinking about it. Talk about, and you brought him up is, is why I thought about it more. Yeah, talk about losing respect for a guy. Jim Nance was always, you know, one of the the premier, especially like golf announcers, and that that Masters, that the fawning over yeah. Tiger Woods. And I was actually watching some of the the little replays, and I don't know if you caught it, but when M finished. He, he um, put it out on 18, and I think he finished, like, third or fourth. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a ho-hum day for him. I think he shot, like, a, I don't know, 70 or 71. Not mm-hmm. bad, but he really couldn't get it going. But, I mean, here's a young guy um, came on the scene there and has been playing well in, in some tournaments and so forth, finishes high in the Masters. He puts out, and he goes – he was born the year Tiger won his first Masters. <laughs> and I was like, what does what does that have to do with anything? I mean, because you it, had a shoehorn Tiger into every sentence. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, and I was watching some of these highlights, and it was, and look, I know Jim Nance, you know, everybody has a high opinion. He's a nice guy. I've met the guy. He seems like a great guy, but that was over the top yeah i mean it it tells you right and it's something i thought about watching last night and what a uh you know personality greg norman was and and some of the the various golfers they showed there and it was funny they were talking about how in that 96 masters the the dichotomy between him and uh, my mind just went blank I don't know who you talking about. Jim Nance. No, who won, won the 96 Masters. Oh, Good Tway. God. No. Oh, the 96 Masters. I'm sorry. Yeah. Faldo. Faldo. Yes, Nick yes. Faldo. Okay. They say I had Tway in my eyes right. in my head. I'm trying to remember the – and Nick Faldo was kind of in, in line with Tiger Woods in his heyday, kind of just a block of wood. He didn't talk to anybody. He was he like was a machine. Business, yeah, he was, just, was, yep. was just a machine. But kind of, anyhow, that, that kind of apropos of nothing but – the the personalities you had 20 years ago, they don't have any anymore. No. It, there's great golfers right now, but they're all corporate entities. They're all straight line. They're all golf machines. It's all they do. There's no person. Dustin Johnson is the biggest dullard I have ever met in my life. Jordan Spieth seems likable, but again, you get nothing from these guys. So this is all they have to hype up. I don't think it needs the hype. But you have the course, so they talk about the course like it's the first girl that put her hand down the front of your pants when you were 15 and that you could just forever in love with. And then Tiger Woods, and that's all you got. And, and so they take it so over the top because every year you got to outdo yourself. So, it, yeah. I know. It, it, it's, it was horrible. And, and I just can't. I just can't seem to get over it. As a matter of fact, just on Twitter today, Billy Horschel put out a – a thing that I don't care what anybody thinks is apparently, you know, he's well known for some antics, you know. Antics, you say? Getting mad, getting angry, mm. showing emotion on the golf course. 
you know, and takes a lot of backlash for that. And he basically put out, I have tried for 13 years worrying about what other people think of me. He says, I don't care anymore. <laughs> well, well good. Yeah. I mean, it's high time. Yeah, show some personality. Yeah, personality, emotion, um, anything. I mean, you don't see – could you imagine Lee Trevino walking around with some of these blocks of wood that you call them out there? They'd be complaining about him. They'd be trying to get him thrown off yeah. court because he'd be distracting them and <laughs> riling the crowd up too exactly. much and making the great unwashed rowdy, yeah. you know. Yeah. He could only play that weird waste management be the only tournament he'd even be allowed to play right now. Right, exactly. But I, it's, it's terrible. I, and I don't know – I don't know what the um, – solution is if there is one because no, i don't think because i don't think these guys like you said they are corporate entities right and it doesn't really matter so much if you win as long as you are finishing say in the top 20 you're making a lot of money oh, yeah. and, and all these ratings and stats people see your name um we got rick flinger plays the Titleist Pro V. That's you know that's why he finished fifteenth <laughs> at Milwaukee. <laughs> you know, well, great. Yeah, baby. How do we get our own open? The Chaos and Disorder open. Ooh, we could play it at Crindale. Well, what you need, and, and you I need like to, you need to get on this. They have three nine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, they don't they don't mow them so much, but there's three of them, baby. So we could get more golfers out there. Like wow, it. man! I tell you, this guy—he's. I'm a I'm a baller. As, as see, we this know. is gonna this is where you have to get started early. Okay. You have to line up sponsors. Okay, on it. And, and I mean, we have to decide what the purse is going to be. Personally, I think you know, three quarters to a million dollars to I, start with. I still have those two gift cards. I haven't sent them out yet. We could make those. Give them to Finkelstein tonight. Oh, yeah, I was waiting for he's, him. He's going to Pedro. So this could the week. purse be two twenty-five dollar Amazon gift cards? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe we could get Amazon to sponsor. We could get a third one. There we go. Three gift maybe, cards. Maybe we could get a. Maybe we get like a hundred, a fifty, oh, and a twenty-five. <laughs> Slow your roll. Slow your roll. Humble beginnings. Humble yeah. beginnings. I think the chaos and disorder open. We have to have players with how they say je ne sais quoi. Or at least get Dustin Johnson to bring Paulina Gretzky. I'd be good there enough go. for, for with that. How could you be so uninteresting when you've got her tagging along behind you? By the way, think Happy Gilmore would come. Oh, I'd watch that. Shooter McGavin. He's got to be 100 years old now. He's got to be getting up there. Yeah, Adam Sandler. He's not that old. Shooter McGavin. So is that all you need is money, though, and then just talk the players into coming? Well. You got to do anything with the tour or anything? Masters doesn't have anything to do with the tour or the USGA no. or anything. You know, you have to get a venue. Crendale. <laughs> Boy, oh, I mean, three nines. We've, we've <laughs> three nines. Yeah. That's great. We we get that, Rick, all right? And three that, nines. And that's one round. You have to play all three nines. Ooh. Uh, we got a hook. Oh. We play, <laughs> what's that, 18 and 9, 27 a day. The Chaos and Disorder Marathon Open. Yep. Yeah, I yep. like it. I like it. Maybe we could get the oil company to, to chip in. Another $25 <laughs> gift card. Now we're we up go. to four. We got one from Amazon. <laughs> we got one from Marathon and two from your boys. <laughs> Look out! Here we come, PGA. I think it's at Saudi me. Open. Hey, I wonder if maybe uh, 
I, I tell you, that, that's got some possibilities. I, I think it does. It does. I'll call Crendale. You guys secure the sponsorships no, and the he's players. He's doing that. Oh, what are you doing? Huh? I'm getting ready to be playing again. I oh, you're, you're going <laughs> to tee it up? <laughs> yeah. He's going to be guest. Ground yeah, you could be like the honorary yeah. starter, like like Jack is at, at Augusta. Yeah. You could just do that, go up there and duck hook one on the first hole. <laughs> yep. There, there's a hole if we start on the west course on one of the three nines at Crendale. <laughs> so pathetic. About a hundred and eight, about a hundred and eighty yards out, because that that's about my maximum. <laughs> All right. And so you're on the tee box. You open with a par five, which I like, right? And it's kind of wide open. And it gets real narrow kind of the rest of the way in, right, at about 180 yards. And there's a willow tree there. Ooh. And I, it doesn't have an official sign, but it's well known in my circles as the Rick Flieger Memorial Tree <laughs> because 97% of the time I golf, because it's way off to the right, I hit it with my tee shot. But we'll, so. ha- we'll have to shorten it, though. Remember, they used to have Eisenhower Tree at Augusta. Mm-hmm. We'll have the Flieger Tree. Yeah, we just can't the have this tree. Memorial. Yeah. So you're not dead. We'll just have the Flieger. And maybe the I just Flieger Willow. Flieger Willow, yeah. yeah. Maybe I just stand under it. Is, is that the one where – I don't remember if it's the Willow, but there's a Nobody green... on listening to this has any idea what you're talking about, so it doesn't really matter. The green, There's a green, like, right past it. To the right, sorry. To no, the right. no, there's there's woods to the, the right, thus the tree. The There's one hole over there where I had an epic drive, drove the green and won. It's a par three. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was the other course. Oh, that was on the north. That's on the north. Numbers four and five or five and six. I know where you're at. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. It was spectacular. Mm-hmm. There's a tree there I hit a lot, too. Yeah, I hit a lot of trees. I'm not a very good golfer. Should we sell some coffee? Sure. Do you think this is the only show in the history of golf talk that has compared Augusta National to the first girl to ever touch your peep? I'm thinking we have that distinction anyhow. If not, at least the yeah. second. <laughs> no more than two. No more than I'm two, sure. yeah. And I want to know, if somebody was before us, I'm not stealing It's that. probably the Asylum show, I would guess. <laughs> There's a good chance of that. I'll have to listen back to past Masters recap because yeah. I can't imagine this just popped into my head. All right, well, I'm sure Dead Sled is going to be thrilled to be associated with this. Let's hear from them. I want to come back, Rick. I don't know what you got, but I want to talk USFL if we can. All that and more. Don't roll your eyes right after this. Dead Sled Coffee. Dead Sled Coffee strives to create a culture of acceptance and respect no matter what your level of coffee knowledge is. They are distinguished coffee for the exceptional and unconventional. They offer amazing products that do not require your dictionary or your atlas to appreciate. Feel comfortable ordering their coffee and know that it is not a crime if you do not know where the beans came from or where it was processed. They have done all the work for you having slurped and sniffed through endless cuppings so you can just sit back and enjoy your coffee experience. Not sure what to try? Well, try some of their new signature blends, the Robert England blend, the Kiss blend, and the Cypress Hill blend. Go to deadsledcoffee.com. Use the promo code DEADSLED15 and take 15% off your order. deadsledcoffee.com. And, hey, tell them Fligger and Briggs sent you. 
Welcome back into Chaos and Disorder. Uh, now I'm afraid to bring up the USFL. You've looked very angry since I've said the said the word or the letters or the acronym or whatever it is. <laughs> he finally you got may it. begin <laughs> two weeks later. Two weeks. You <laughs> may begin. Speaking of that, I just want to mention this isn't going to take an hour like the last one. Today, randomly, you, everyone remembers the story of my adventures with Southwest Airlines. Yes. I get an email today. At first, I thought it had to be spam. Right. Your flight's on time? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be good. This might be worse. <laughs> this is really <laughs> insulting. I get an email today. I looked it up. I actually did what you're not supposed to do. Click the links to make sure this thing was legitimate. I get an uh, email that says, your refund from Southwest Airlines has been processed. All right. They're going to finally make this right after what they put us through. Listen back two episodes ago if you haven't heard yet. Or at a minimum, the you know they're supposed to give you money for the clothes you had to buy when they lose all your stuff. Something, maybe the wife took care of all of that. I don't know. With no details, no story, I have received a refund from Southwest Airlines of 20 United States dollars. Well, there you go. <laughs> 20 U.S. Wow. dollars. That you can only use on southwestairlines.com. No I have no clue what it's for. I'm feverishly trying to find the email. Right now. Well, tell me, Rick, which of the three nines will you spend that $20 I on? I could buy another gift card. <laughs> there you go. If somebody well, could now th- we have five. If somebody could throw in five bucks, that'd be yet another $25 gift card. I mean, I'm out of money, I but I got my $20. Uh, here it is. Yeah. You have received a refund from Southwest Airlines, $20 U.S. <laughs> awesome. What's it for? How do do you get 20 from the thousands I spent? Well, you got it from the processing. What process? Well, it said it was processed. Well, that's and true. Once it was processed, that's what was left. Maybe I got bucks. maybe I got like the Bobby Bonilla deal. I'm going to get twenty dollars <laughs> a month until twenty forty two. That'd be all right. That'd be all right. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be Rick Flieger day, like we had Bobby Bonilla day. Since you brought him up, and I know how much Briggs loves baseball. He is a he I is do a, love baseball. a seam head. I believe they call him. So, did you see going into spring training? that the highest paid person on the Reds' payroll was Ken Griffey Jr.? Now? It was at the start of spring training, so not, I don't think right Well, was now. he like a coach or something, like a hitting no, coach? same deal as Bobby Bonilla. He's still getting paid. <laughs> I didn't know that. Why don't they talk about that? I don't know. Considering we spent half the show last week talking about the Cincinnati Reds, and the ridiculous son of the owner, who is the COO, that would have been an interesting fact. I didn't didn't know that because they do have the tenth lowest payroll in baseball, and most of us going to Apparently, Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> who retired Isn't what fifteen nice? years ago now. Yeah. That was one of my favorite players, though. I I, so I do miss old old. KGJ. I don't well, think anybody called him that. Uh, you want to talk minor league football? Let's go ahead and um, three point five nine million dollars this year. So, so go nice. So, so go ahead and did you watch? Bloviate. Did you no. watch any? None. None. Not, not one minute. None. Not one minute. Well, that that, that makes this hard, right? Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of hoping you looked at it and you were angry well, about how bad. I'll take it back. I watched about three plays of the Maulers. Okay. <laughs> and. 
I, they pan the sideline. The coaches look like Laurel and Hardy over there. Like they had no idea what was going on, and they fire a guy because he wanted pizza instead of chicken salad. And it's like this is so stupid. I am not paying any attention to this. Hey, it's about unifying a team. He was justly nixed. Yes. Nothing pulls together a squad. What like chicken professional salad. organization has one thing to eat? Well, apparently Period. they had two. It's just that dummy wasn't allowed <laughs> to have the second option. He was eating chicken salad. Chicken salad. I'll never understand the chicken salad, that, ham that's salad. That's ludicrous. It's disgusting. They should have a buffet laid out for these guys. Of course, it's, they're playing in Birmingham, as with all the other eight teams. Yeah, explain Which is a, another ludicrous thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, well, number two. Number one is how awful the football is. Well, yeah. But the I, number two reason why this is going to fail and they were they've been thumping their chest they finished right among the top in amongst the the, the NBA playoff games with their TV ratings of rating. course they did it was curiosity sure. right but if you want this thing to succeed you've got to build kind of like baseball it's got to be local a hometown audience if it was good football i could be compelled to go on a nice spring day to Heinz Field or to uh, wherever else, some high school stadium or somewhere, wherever they would play it. Slippery Rock yeah, University. Yeah, wherever maybe whatever. they'd play it there and watch a Pittsburgh Maulers game. And I think you could find fifteen or 20,000 dopes like me who'd be willing to do that. But if I choose to get engaged with the Pittsburgh Maulers and go watch them, I've got to fly to Birmingham effing Alabama series. Look, I get it that it saves money. This is what they're saying, right? To ensure the viability of the league, this eliminates travel costs, this, that, this, and that. It also eliminates anybody giving a shit about your pathetic football team. It, 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 look, it, who's going to buy? I mean, where is a lot? Okay, I guess there's a lot of jerseys and everything for the established NFL teams sold in stores and all that stuff. I get it. But, you know, the revenue at a stadium. I mean, if that's not a litmus test for interest in your football yeah. team, but in Birmingham, Birmingham plays there. Yeah. Nobody else does. Yeah. Hey, let's play Birmingham this week. We'll, <laughs> there'll be fans there. Then I, it's uh, just, that game was that Monday night was the Maulers game, Maulers Tampa yeah, Bay, the last game. Yeah. There was exactly zero people in the stadium who didn't work there. I mean, exactly right. zero. The, the first game I watched was that very first one in Birmingham was involved, and there was a few thousand people there. Right. By the time they got to Monday night, there was literally no people. And let's not forget, they had two networks broadcasting. Yeah. A major first, network. Fox yes. and NBC, I on, believe. Yeah, they, and they were on the mothership, too. Exactly. And they're talking about these ratings. But these these first games or this first game or whatever that was on two networks, still was lower than XFL mm-hmm. opening. And I think the prior league, whatever it was called, I can't even remember. The AF. Yeah, whatever. So if they can't compete with those ones on two major networks, right. where where is this quote-unquote viability coming no, from? The, it's not. The, there is none. And, and the bottom line is, so I actually watched more of that Maulers game than I would like to admit. I don't know why. Because I'll and tell they you got this. pasted. They looked horrible. Yeah, I'll tell you this. The broadcast was compelling. 
right? So so you can hear the communication between the on the headset between the coach and and the quarterback or the coach and the middle linebacker whoever has it on defense. And how stupid is that? No, I thought that was great. What do you mean that's stupid? But the other team could be watching the football game. But it doesn't matter. We'll get to that point where it doesn't matter. You Good could God. you could flash on the screen. I mean, they're talking about Belichick about cheating, stealing plays. Good God, I got to do tap in and listen to him. But it's the USFL. <laughs> it's in Super Bowl, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but we're ensuring but, viability. No, we're not. I'm saying from a fan perspective, it made for a good broadcast. Okay, yeah, and, I agree with you there. And, and they had, I don't know who it was, but had somebody in the booth who was able to interpret everything. I felt like I learned stuff watching this so that that kind of drew me in and, and then it comes here's why none of why the usfl worked the first time before they made the mistake of trying to take on the nfl instead of just staying in the spring and paying big money is at this point until such time is the usfl the xfl the AF or whatever the next failure is going to be can have the money to lure away top quarterbacks. I don't even care about other positions. Top quarterbacks, these leagues are going to fail at midseason like the AF did because the quarterback play is so pathetically god-awful that it, it makes it makes the whole thing unwatchable completely. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. There's, I, I, there's just no hope. There's eight teams. They're, they serve, serve chicken salad. <laughs> Fire people that want pizza. They play in one stadium, and it's in Birmingham. Birmingham. <laughs> Look, it, it's it's a farce. I mean, if if it, if they want to peddle it as a farm system or a minor league of some sort to groom players that maybe got cut or whatever to hone their skills for the NFL, and they market it that way. Maybe they'll get some interest. I used to love going. I lived down in North Carolina. I used to love going to the Durham Bulls and Carolina mm-hmm. Mudcat games. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it was just fun. But, you know, I, I just – it's got to improve. It, it, it's, but – and I've put my finger on why, why minor league baseball works. Actually, he was asking me a question before we went on the air. He has bugged, bugged my head. And when I'm thinking and prepping for a show, and I don't care for it, so so ask your question. I'm gonna give you. I've come to a come to enlightenment, and I figured all of this out. And then I'm gonna help the USFL, the XFL, and the AF out. Cliff note version. Yeah. Well, please. I mean, you, you tend to drone on and on. And, all right. So there isn't a gap between collegiate sports and professional sports for the most part. Correct. Like, the elite of the elite in college sports go on and can be a potential Pardon me. <laughs> professional athlete. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So, the big difference is hockey and baseball, where guys are drafted when they're 17 years old. Correct. Go on. I mean, you know, this is not a physics problem here. <laughs> I like when we get to the point where Rick is completely disinterested and won't even fake it for the air. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Just... I didn't know it was a question. <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and get to your point where I bugged you. All right. 
Here's the problem. Here's why minor league baseball works. Here's why college baseball works. Here's why college basketball works. Here's why high school basketball. Here's why everything else works and these these spin-off professional, I'm doing the air quote thing, football leagues don't work. In the in minor league baseball, the relative talent across the board, pitchers, hitters, fielders, are all about the same. Same as in high school, right? You, you have a few guys that stand out. It's all relatively the same. Same in college basketball, high school basketball. Same in junior hockey versus the NHL versus European hockey. Whatever it is, top to bottom, relatively everyone is the same. Here's the problem with these spinoff football leagues. There are a million guys who could show up to the USFL right now as running backs who are good enough to be running backs, certainly second running backs on NFL teams. There's 15 guys, 20 guys in the USFL right now who could possibly make a roster and make an impact as a receiver on an NFL football team. Go across most positions. Where the difference falls is at the quarterback position. And the quarterback position, obviously, the most important position in all of sports. They drive absolutely everything. There are not 30 30 or 32 teams in the NFL. There are not 32 competent quarterbacks in in the elite league, in the National Football League. So now you drop down. So you've got running backs, you've got receivers, you've got offensive linemen, you've got defensive players who are closer to a professional level than these quarterbacks are. So you get there, it becomes so painfully obvious. The ball can't move. Nothing can happen. I don't know how many in the brief periods I've watched of a couple of these games. Wide open receivers, four feet downfield in the flat, they can't hit. They can't execute an offense. Until such time as there are more than 32 competent quarterbacks on planet Earth, no other football league is ever going to succeed. It, it absolutely can't well, of happen. Of course not. But you, you almost have to translate it into almost 96 competent quarterbacks. Because a second-string quarterback is going to make a hell of a lot more money in the NFL well, backing up a starter than going to this bonehead league. Well, for, a third quarterback is, is much more valuable than this bonehead league. And like you said, we don't have 32 now. No. But, I mean, if you had eight teams in the USFL who could pay a quarterback what the NFL could and you could draw people in, then it doesn't even have to be. that. It doesn't have to be the fourth and fifth string quarterback. Maybe right. you draw in a, I'm trying, a Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, right now, Baker Mayfield would rather not work than go to the Maulers and eat freaking chicken salad and make seven twenty five an hour, and right? Play in Birmingham. Yeah, or so now the best you can hope for is like when the AF got Johnny Manziel for a minute and a half. You know what I mean? It, it, you somebody's gonna have to come in with the money and the juice to come in and do what the original USFL did and draw people away from the NFL. Forget everybody else. Just quarterback money. So you have two budgets. You have a $30 million quarterback budget and a $17.85 everybody else budget, and you could create a compelling football league. Until that happens, forget it. Quit trying. And don't have everything in Birmingham. What are we doing here? Birmingham. And therein lies the rub. The rub. So therein lies the rub because you need so much money now. And people with that kind of money – 
generally, you know, unless you're Daniel Snyder, pretty smart businessmen. <laughs> they're not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to dump millions and millions right. and millions of dollars to compete against this machine that back when the first UFL, USFL started, you know, it still wasn't clear that the NFL was number one over baseball. Well, that's true, too. The and NFL wasn't the monster no, it is No, it is. It, it's, it's an unbreakable surface. They're not going to crack it. Right. It, they're just not. So, back to the revenue. Forbes did an article where 43 44% of a team's revenue comes from the local market. Right. And they're in Birmingham. Right. <laughs> Although, and that's an, that's another thing where you where you hit on a team like that. Okay, how much how much merchandise and revenue are the Pittsburgh Maulers going to bring in going against the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Dallas Lightning Bolts or whoever the hell they are wherever they're at <laughs> against the Cowboys or you know any like city? It's 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 like banging your head against a wall it's yeah. stupid it needs to be in cities that have nothing right but other than birmingham birmingham no in all actuality that uh fan choice league thing it's like the arena league one that one's actually fun to watch like talent's not spectacular but it's oh is that the one where they're letting the nerd nicks call the plays yeah. and stuff like live madden i've never yeah. watched it's it's entertaining. Like, it, it's not replacing it's WWE's version of football, huh? Uh, maybe TNA. Okay, there but, you go. But it, it's it's enough. So, I don't want to bury the lead here. All right. Pete, nobody can see this, but Finkelstein shows up today in fancy pants, yeah. a collared shirt, pointy shoes, looks like he even washed his hair, and now he's over here quoting the Forbes magazine <laughs> articles. Yeah. Who the hell do you think you're fooling? I, I hit my head this weekend. <laughs> I, I don't know what's yeah. going on. Well, he was like in it. the clink. He probably did. Well, that's true. He, he <laughs> numerous, found, found Jesus. <laughs> I think that was an inappropriate joke, Rick. You know, let's talk about real football. We have to. The I it, It's really starting to get crazy i'm talking about the wide receiver market right now and the the weight they seem to be throwing around well yeah. after the tyreek hill and Devonte adams deals <laughs> christian kirk deal but um here's debo samuel san francisco basically custom made an offense to utilize and maximize this cat right um he has an injury history and had a great year this past year, 1,700-plus total yards. I forget what it was, 14 total touchdowns, I believe. And he wants out. And I I just don't understand that, quite frankly. He still has, a, still has uh, time left in his deal. Um, he's had one good year. And you were in the NFC Championship game last year. And you may end up a jet. Yeah, but you might end up a jet with a $35 million a year contract. It's very possible, but 
I mean, don't you think San Francisco is going to pay him? I, I mean, who else is on the team? Well, yeah, if I was San Francisco, I'd pay him. Yeah. But whether or not they will, I mean, clearly talks aren't going anywhere. I don't know. I, I always argue this whole thing out of both sides of my mouth. I, I respect the fact that you want to get as much as you, yeah. know, as, as you can. I mean, it, it, that's what good agents are for, too. But the fact, I mean, you see, like, these Kyler Murrays and so forth, and they're just, like, totally angry at the team when – before this year started, he was happy as a clam that he was healthy and playing. Right. He has right. one good year, and now he's just totally angry at the team that they haven't just thrown treasure chests at him before even he'd even show up to an OTA, for God's well, sakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Like I said, I argue this both ways all the time, and I, I can't get right in my head. You know, it's, you know, the, the old curmudgeon Rick Briggs in me says, you signed the contract. Honor the contract. Go out and get more. And the other side says, you've got such a limited shelf life. Clearly, he at least believes, whether or not it's true, there's this great market out there for him. And, and you know, the 49ers either need to pony up or let me go. I, I can see it both ways. I can't make a good argument either way. I can see it both ways. But what the thing that troubles me is, and, and it's because of the elevated contract year after year, you make twenty million this year. Well, then Finkelstein has to make twenty four, right. and then I have to make twenty six, and then it just goes on and on. When but we same, all agree, I should be making the most. But the, the talent. But the point of the matter is, they sign even like a three year contract, and the next year somebody gets a monster deal. Now they're mad. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you were one of the highest paying guys last year. Yeah, now yeah. all of a sudden you're not, and you think everything should just be null and void. Yeah. Well, and, Julio did that for years. I know. It was ridiculous. I know, exactly. But and 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 that was a team that had Roddy White and, and a few other talented guys on right. that team at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's tough. I, I don't know. You, the, the wide receiver market, here, here's the thing. I think they're starting to rapidly become, in this pass-happy league, almost as dispensable, disposable, whatever the right word right. is, is the running back position. Yep. There, there's always new one. You, bringing it more locally, Deontay Johnson, he's stomping his feet and fitting it. He wants Tyreek Hill money. A.J. Brown you know, is doing the same thing. You know, and I look at specifically at Deontay Johnson, there are 15 guys in college right now that can run really fast and drop 15 passes a year. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah, you're the best receiver on the team. You're a really talented guy, but – you ain't Randy Moss. I mean, no. and Debo Samuel, he's a he's a weird case too, right? We're gonna get into that. I'm trying. I'm blanking on the player, but we we've run into this before, where he's kind of you know a top twenty receiver in the league. Plus, he's a top 15 running back in the league, and how do you combine it? Who remember we had this debate years ago about some. It, it doesn't matter. Right. But now well, we you're saw blending. Cordell Patterson do the same thing yeah. this year with Atlanta, right? But and that's who Samuel. So he and maybe that's what maybe that's one thing that's that's triggering him. Maybe I don't want to be a running back and a wide receiver. You know, I mean, look at my stats. Could. I'm a 1400 yard receiver. Could be. Maybe and, he doesn't want know, that wear and tear. Yeah. Okay. Well. Or at the same time, I'm touching the ball 40 times a game. I ain't long for this world. I got to get paid now. I I could be sympathetic to that. I could too. But like you said, there's got to be, you would think, maybe that doesn't have to be, but you would think there would, there's got to be some middle ground 
somewhere where, you know, like a, okay, you're under contract for two more years, but maybe, you know, they come up with something like supplemental contract. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to bolster what he has now, and if you can get through this year or whatever, then we'll make it good. Something. I mean, because – Number one, they're so rich now they can just throw their hands up and say, "Man, I'm not playing." There, there's but a the thing is, that. he's got, I, I know he's got, I think multiple years left. I mean, is he going to sit out three years? No, nah, nah, I mean, he wouldn't, or think. whatever it is. And I think these guys find. I mean, Lev Bell found out the hard way, right? right? They think they have the only people that have all the leverage are quarterbacks. You know, any any other position. All right, go ahead and sit out for three years. We'll see. And that that's... I don't have to pay you. I don't have to. Only the quarterback has that. I think what they see is in the NBA, the players have all the power, all the power for everything. Major League Baseball is the same way. The NFL isn't that way. Maybe it should be, you know, for as short as their careers are. But that isn't what the see, NFL is. You're see, disposable to that. In there lies the rub yet again. See, these owners aren't stupid in football. They realize they're rolling the dice with the careers of these guys. Right. Whereas, you know, basketball, baseball, they're going to be playing 10, 15, yeah. 20 years in some cases. Football's not like that. And it's going to become a contest, really, I think, to see which receiver is going to become the first Le'Veon Bell yeah, in the receiver market. Because sooner that. or later, that bottom's going to fall. Okay, time yeah. out, guys, because you're not getting it. Well, and, and I think where, where they don't have the leverage, it goes back to what I was saying about the USFL and any other minor league football, why it's never going to work. Even as an NFL owner, maybe I don't find them right away. Debo's awesome. I love watching him play. There's 15 other Debo Samuels out there somewhere. If I got the quarterback, which 49ers don't necessarily got have the quarterback, but if I've got the quarterback, there's a, any number of people I can bring in cheaper. He's a 1,400-yard receiver games. with Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. So, I mean, number one, you have a quarterback mm-hmm. that is certainly capable. Trey Lance supposedly is their knight in shining armor to save that position, even though they've done nothing with Garoppolo. So right. I don't know if they're that sure on yeah, Trey gonna, Lance. That's going to be either. an interesting summer in San Francisco. Right. So unrestricted free agent next year. Oh, next year. All right. Well, zip it, play, or sit out and get what you get. It should be interesting. Should we sell some sandwiches? Quickly. Do we have anything to talk about after it? Not much. I got nothing. So yeah, I'm going to need you to come up with something. But uh, go to the chop shop and buy a sandwich. We'll tell you how right after this. We would like to take this opportunity to tell you about our sponsor and friends, the Chop Shop in Butler, Pennsylvania. The Chop Shop is leading the way in the western Pennsylvania area for good eats. With fresh menus, great specials, in-house made desserts, and the recently added iced tea, lemonade, and milkshake bar, you are sure to find something to fulfill that craving or hankering, and even a little something extra for that sweet tooth. Yep, they even have gluten-free and vegetarian options as well. You know, between Facebook, Google, Yelp, and TripAdvisor, they average 4.7 out of 5, and that's over a 10-year span, so they are consistently killing it. You can check them out on Facebook, but also at ChopShopButler.com. Or do yourself a favor and visit them at 108 North Main Street, Butler, Pennsylvania. And tell them Flieger and Briggs sent you. Tell them Flieger and Briggs sent you. I, we had Chop Shop at the uh, the day job again last week. They just 
Well, you said it right in there, consistently killing it. And let me tell you what they don't do. Unlike every other restaurant on the planet since. They don't force you to eat chicken salad. Well, yeah, chicken salad is horrific. What is that? Do you I eat, like chicken do you salad. Eat, well, you would. Ham salad, chicken salad. Yeah. Why do I, you? I was confused. Is it chicken salad like you have French fries on a salad with chicken? Or is it the macaroni and cheese chicken salad? Yeah, it was kind of, you have like ch- cooked, chopped up chicken, like celery and things like that. And it's in like a mayonnaise slash Miracle Whip type of base. And you usually put them on a sandwich right. with lettuce and tomato and things like that. But they didn't specify which one it was that he wouldn't eat. Yeah, I, I pictured that slop you were talking about. This is something I'll never understand. Well, the only other chicken salad would be like a basically a bed of lettuce. That's what he just said. Other, I know, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's only the two choices. So, yeah. I mean, either way, it's either chicken on lettuce or chicken mixed with some mayonnaise yeah. and stuff. I mean, it's not that complicated, and that's all they have to eat. Yeah. Maybe I mean, that had, didn't make any sense. Maybe they had both options, and he yeah. didn't want either. Yeah, he had to have pizza, prima donna. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that is getting a little <laughs> extravagant. I, I'll go along. I mean, it's I mean, Birmingham, for Christ's sake. <laughs> couldn't yeah. get some ribs? Yeah. Here's what I don't understand. Never once have I looked at a piece of chicken's good. I like chicken. Love chicken. Ham's good. Love ham. I like ham. Did you have ham this past weekend? No, nah, I don't. I don't do ham. Did, did a roast. Okay. I like beef. Beef is good. Well, I thought you said you liked ham. I, I do. It's fine. But here's the thing. <laughs> beef is better. I, <laughs> can't argue that. Right. No, I I agree. But here's but. what I don't get. And here here's the point. The kinda right because you don't do this with with a roast. You don't do this with beef. But who was the first a hole who looked at a perfectly good piece of chicken? Or looked at a perfectly good piece of ham. Said, you know what? This is good. But I got a better idea. I'm going to chop it all up. And I'm going to slop a bunch of mayonnaise on it. Throw some celery. Mix it all together. And eat it like that. That's dullard thinking. Why I, would you do that? I never understood the celery part of it. Well, even so. It provides a crunch. I don't think I want a crunch with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, why not? Well, if you made it, just don't put celery in it. But why would you do that to perfectly good chicken or ham? You make it all disgusting. Like, well, I, I don't want to say that, dude, but it's, it reminds me of something else, and I don't like it. It stretches back in the day. It stretches your food dollar and your inventory. Why? Then I just got to buy mayonnaise and celery, where before I could just eat the freaking chicken. Well, they probably just made it. Instead of, like, mayonnaise back in the day, maybe they had their homemade stuff back. I mean, yeah, you're thinking before, you know, Depression days, even before yeah. that. You know, maybe it was just stuff they had left over. Well, that's, you know? yeah, maybe if it was like a hot dog and it was lips and assholes, you know what I mean, that I could understand. But now I think they're just taking perfectly good chicken and slopping it up and making it into gross stuff. Chicken it, salad hot dog, I'm on it. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, it is just wonderful. I don't, no, I, I disagree. Well, you're, well, I don't eat anything with mayonnaise. You are entitled to be wrong. Mayonnaise horrifies me. I don't like mayonnaise. I do like Miracle Whip, I have to say. Aren't they the same? No. The same idea. They don't taste the same at all. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not eating any of it. I'm going to put a question to you. And I know without prep, it's, it, it would be tough because okay. you're not really yeah, looking. But, but I'm a professional. But if you so had ready. two top seven picks okay so this is a math problem Hold which on. is number five and number seven overall picks all right, I got number which five. is the new york football giants all right 
NYG. Would you consider trading one or both of them to get more picks? Or would you think, you know, I can get two studs at five and seven? <laughs> His cackle threw me off. It's it's the Giants, so you know they're going to screw the yeah. Well, we know Whatever that. Whatever it is, they're going to F it see, up. But yeah. we just replaced GM with Rick Flieger. Oh, okay. Super genius, you okay. know. So it's it's not the giant culture. This is this is the new Giants right here. Yeah. I'm giving you a chance to change their fortune. Yeah, and so I stunk bad enough and made a smart move that gives me the five and seven pick now. Right. I never understood. So all right, now I'm going to trade it for one of these for a pick that next year could be twenty and a couple of second rounders. I got the number five and the number seven pick. I'm making those picks. I mean, I'm going to F them up because I'm the Giants, well, but yeah, I'm going to make those picks. You're the new GM. You're changing the fortune now. I'm okay. actually surprised by this. You're choosing. I live for the now. You are choosing well, five and seven. Okay. That's what I, I'm surprised because I thought you would trade away those picks for now talent, a, a given, a stud well, that linebacker. would be ideal, but nobody does that anymore. Yeah, no, nobody trades freaking. Well, I guess Defonte Adams and so forth kind of changed yeah. that, but you know, yeah, Tyree not too, Hill, yeah, not guess, too often. But, but anyway, yeah, if you could get somebody like that, maybe no. we're talking. But say, okay, say you're making five and seven. All right, you have Daniel Jones and a pathetic offensive line. Do you ride Jones for another year? Yes. And, and bolster that line? Yes. I bolster the line. I bring in another skill. But I don't know. And a receiver, I perhaps? I don't know or care who's supposed to go between 5 and 10. But and, uh, We're not talking about who you know, who may be yeah. there. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm going to get the talent now. I'm going to go with the quarterback I have that I spent a first-round draft pick on. If I stink again, I'm going to have another high draft pick next year and what's supposed to be a better there. quarterback class. i got to right. settle down here. Yeah. So, yeah, just make the pick. Or, like, like, you know, package them up and bring in Devontae Adams or something that might be different. But that just doesn't happen. Debo. Debo. Well, I'm not giving up five and seven for Debo. Would you give up one or the other for him? No. Straight up. No, that's pretty high. I'm I'm that way, too. I heard, heard a conversation on the radio today saying, oh, yeah, trade number seven or whatever straight up for him. No. Dude in a heartbeat. The guy's six foot tall. I mean, he's a great talent and everything, but he's not like one of these dominant players. He has. Right. He's had one good year. I mean, I wouldn't give up five or yeah. seven for him. I'd have to get if I was going to give up seven Debo, a third and a fifth or something. I mean, if I'm the Steelers, maybe at twenty. I'm thinking. Yeah. Could. Considering you have you those know, are two teams that I couldn't think of being worse places for a guy like Debo Samuel. They're they're not creative offensively. No, enough. you're the Steelers aren't right. creative offensively enough. The Giants aren't good enough offensively right. to utilize this stuff. Now Kansas City, on the other hand, if you had a Debo Samuel in Kansas City, now now you got something there. So so I think that matters too. Yeah, it is a. I I it, it's you know that's another thing. You're bringing up the USFL. <laughs> See back to you didn't want to talk about why it. Why the hell go. isn't Todd Haley in the NFL? What, because he put up a whopping 17 against the Maulers no. in Birmingham? This has sold you back on well, Todd Haley? 
No, I'm, I was sold on Todd Haley before. I mean, because he put up a whopping 17 with people who were janitors of washing cars. <laughs> yes, that is impressive, quite frankly. All right. But, no, I mean, seriously, it, it seems he was always seemed successful. Yeah, he's rude. Well. He's nasty to be around, but so are we. You know, we just have, you and we're know, the only three who will talk to each other. I mean, you answered your own question. Todd Haley's a great <laughs> football coach, but he's an asshole, and nobody wants to play for him or employ him. It's just kind of as simple as that. We should get him on the show. We I probably should. He'd fit right in here. Yeah, he, he, he really would. would. We could insult each other for an hour. Oh, all yeah. You'd call him great. names, and he'd come back at you, yeah. and nobody would get offended. Yeah. Maybe he'll sponsor the uh, the Open. <laughs> I'm sure he would. The Ooh. Todd Haley Chaos and Disorder Marathon Open no. at the three nines. <laughs> three at nines at Crendale. Three nines, baby. Yeah, are they going to have time to mow it? Well, no. We'll probably. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go mow it. God. Oh, what? Three nines, Rick. That, that's big. Yeah, I know. You uh, know what they don't have at Augusta? A third nine. Yeah, they do. They oh, got they got a par not three. that par three. They got no. a par three course. No, no. Eight three holes. Three full well, nine holes. Three full nines. Full size nines at Crendale, Rick. My last pro- company I worked for, I built two eighteen hole golf courses. Eighteen. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. About twenty seven. That's four nines. Oh, they were all for. Well, why would you call it two eighteens instead of four nines? It's not nearly as impressive. <laughs> Because four is more than See, two. See, that's, that's piss-poor. Because poor nine mar- holes is not a complete golf course. That's piss-poor marketing. That's probably why you don't work there anymore. That's on you. God, that is just pathetic. I mean, that's why you're here in this pathetic studio with us and not still working that at that four nine golf course because you had to call it a two eighteen. It just sounds like there's two golf courses across the street from yeah, each other. Yeah, there were two. You golf know what they courses. call that? Arizona. You know that, that happens everywhere. There were two. No, you want to impress courses. me on one course, three nine. That's not a course. That's, that's classy. a course and a half. That is classic. No, what actually, it's a, it's a goat ranch. <laughs> hey, Crendell. Is a course and a half. It, Put it, it in the book. It is. It is. Yeah. Not two courses. <laughs> no. 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 That's that's overkill. That's ridiculous. Get out of here with that. Yeah. Twenty-seven you know holes. Boom. Three nines. Do you know why they have nine holes? I don't. No clue. Because that was how long the scotch would last till they had to refill. Yeah. One bottle. Wait, while they were golfing? Yeah. So were they just playing the same hole over and over again? No, they actually built, you know, I'm sure they probably look like the one you're talking about. But (laughs) Quit disparaging the host of our future tournament. What the hell's wrong with you? Our host course, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to take you out there. You'll be blown away. Do you know why it was named golf? I'll take you to the picnic pavilion. Do you know why it was called golf? I don't. See, this is a little history lesson for you knuckleheads. (laughs) Ian Gulf. Gulf. Yeah, it was somebody's name. At the Gulf Ranch. Gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Oh. I bet you nobody else knows that or the the millennials will be coming after. Not the millennials. Who is it? The gen? What's the new group of douchebags that are coming up? Uh, Zennials? Gen Z. Yeah, Yeah, they're going to try to cancel that. Good. Golf is canceled. I can't believe they still go by it. Yeah. 
Is that really what it means, yeah. or is that just what they have in like at your moose club and you talk about stuff like that? Moose club. I mean, <laughs> it's the Eagles, the Elks. <laughs> what do they do at those places? Other than drink know. beer, like why do they exist? So they can drink beer, especially like in dry towns. Yeah. All you right. Know, so you, that's you all get it little is. Little tokens. You're not selling. Mm-hmm. You know, beer. It's a social club. Like I get, you social. know, hunting clubs. I belong to a hunting club. Kind of the same. To any clubs. Kind of the same reason though. Just they they have a vending machine that you can get beer out of, which I'm dumb enough to just really enjoy. How much is it? Wow. The beer? Yeah. I mean, they're a buck a piece. That's not bad. You slide, can... drop four quarters in that. It even takes those weird Sacagawea. Sacagawea coins that nobody else will take. Yeah. That's pretty. That's not bad price. I mean, buck yeah, a beer. Yeah, drop that in there, then yeah. you go out and shoot guns. I mean, it goes perfectly. Well, of course, perfectly I used well to when I worked uh, at the Grove City Country Club when I was in high school. I was in the back of the locker room. They had a beer machine. It was fifty cents, and um, yeah, it just happened to be right by my shoe shine oh, room, yeah. right where I was. I, I made. Sure that it was well taken well, care yeah, of. Yeah, well empty. You know the inventory turned over is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah it's always it's, fresh. Exactly. I mean, it was a marvelous place to work <laughs> and a marvelous time to work. Quite frankly, can we get one of those vending machines in the studio? I don't see why we couldn't. No, we could do that thing where you don't even have to put money in it, where you just push the button. Now that's classic. Oh, I mean, you would have to put maybe a code. You and I could have the code. Yeah. Oh, come he on. He couldn't. He'd have to put in. Hard cash. 75 cents. Yeah. Okay. If you're Deal. good, it'll stay at 75. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we put it incrementally oh, up <laughs> as punishment. <laughs> right, you exactly. Know, it goes up a quarter for missed shows due to jail time. You miss the bell. Yeah, 15, it goes up 50 yeah. cents. 15, for four, 15 cents for four hours of preparation for a bell ding that never happened. You know, right. things like that. I mean, by – I was just thinking, I'm telling you about a a wonderful time to work and so forth. I could not imagine, you know, number one, I could not imagine working sober. (laughs) That too. (laughs) But I could not not imagine a high school kid doing what I did. But I used to have to, I worked in the the country club locker room. I was responsible for keeping it vacuumed, you know, and fresh towels out Mm. and the the powders and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I had to clean it. Powders are very important. Well, yeah, baby powder and all yeah. that. Foot powder, especially foot powder in golf. You better believe it. But um, you know, I had to you know make sure it was all clean and this that and the other. Well, on the side, I had a shoe shine business, and you know I would shine. They they'd wear like hard. They let you shoes. run your own gimmick right out of their country club. Oh sure. Whew. Oh yeah, and. But anyway, and, and what side the system was, the mm-hmm. what the system was is there was, you know, rows of lockers, and then there was a bench in between, you know, a typical locker room in between the, the right. lockers. Well, when the guys came in to play golf, if they had, uh, you know, a lot of guys just wore uh, street shoes because they wore dress clothes and so right. forth. They business Loafers. Yeah. When the gentlemen came in. Gentlemen. And they, if they wanted those shoes shine. No women shined, allowed. They would put the the shoes on top of the bench. Well, I'd go around after they went out. I'd shine the shoes and I'd put them under the bench in front of their locker. Well, then they'd square up with me at the end of the day or whatever. Well, on the same token, when they came back in, they would put their golf shoes on the bench if they wanted them shined. And then when I was done, 
I'd put them under the bench in front of their locker, and, of course, they'd square up the next time they were in. And there was this – they'd always leave tips and stuff like that. And there was this one guy. I'm like mm, 15, 16, something in that neighborhood. And he was probably 27. Cool guy. And good golfer, too. But every time he'd leave his shoes up, you know, and I'd shine them and put them under the thing. Well, then when he would come in, done with the round – he put his golf shoes up on the bench. So, of course, they were all gone by the time I'd get out there. Well, I'd go out there, and there's his golf shoes in there. And in the one shoe, there was how whatever cigarettes were left in his pack. Nice. Sitting Good there. Good tip. Good. And a mixed drink in the other shoe. <laughs> that was your tip. He had some great shine shoes. You give I a 15-year-old a half a pack of Lucky Strikes in a cool. Manhattan. They were cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> And, they, uh, they would bury him under the jail. He would be in Finkelstein <laughs> territory if you did that now. Could you I imagine? Know. That's awesome. <laughs> but it was it was great. I had another guy. Of course, we didn't have internet and phones and all that stuff back then. He paid me to get scores, college football scores. Oh, so he was running a book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, nice. and he'd come in, you know, and. He would call into the – we had a phone in the locker room. He'd call in about every three holes. Hey, uh, what's the USC score or whatever? And he'd say, okay, it's just that and the other. He'd flip me a 10 or $20 bill at the end of the day. This is like 1974. Yeah, I'm like sitting here raking it million dollars. I know. I've, I think the FBI might want to get in touch with you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's dead. Long dead. <laughs> yeah. All but right. anyway, we're I think done. we get out of here, don't yes. we? Yeah. Got to go home. I've had enough. Well, it, it's 420, so I, I, you know, we never that's talked true. about that. Yeah, that's true. Finkelstein is just high as a kite. I mean. <laughs> Still doesn't explain the fancy pants, though. We're going to get to the bottom of this. So, true. I don't know. What do you think the odds are we're back next week? I was going to say we'll see you next week, but it's, what, 50-50 at best, probably. I'd give it 60-40. Ooh, I'm going, right. Yeah, I'm going 60-40. 60-40. All right, so you got that to look forward to. Of course, check out everything on the tweeters at Chaos and Disorder, Chaos and Disorder Pod on Facebook. Find the show archives, AsylumFantasySports.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. I really think Willie would have been appropriate. That is Willie. Is that Willie? It didn't even sound like him. Well, it's because that's 118-year-old Willie. That's Snoop Dogg right there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got you. Okay. Dude, I like Willie, but he needs to hang it up. Was it last year or two years ago they televised on some weird axis or something? Axis, yeah. The farm aid in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like a pole yeah, they basically were the propping <laughs> him up with a stick. He wasn't even speaking English. Like, God bless him. I love Willie as much as the next guy, but it, it's over. But see, that's what happened. He quit smoking dope. Oh, did he quit? I heard he did a uh, year or two. Well, that's yeah. the problem. That's why he's deteriorating. He's failing now. Yeah. Now his organs are functioning normally and realizing they're 111 years old. Yeah. It's like Keith Richards syndrome, you know. Yeah, he's done smoking, but he's still doing tinctures. Did you ever see... Doing what now? That's a little THC drops you put under uh, your tongue. Yeah. Did you ever see that little cartoon? It's a picture of... Um, like Adam and Eve in the garden, and then there's the big hand of God coming down, and and the, 
down in the very bottom right corner, a little small little thing is Keith Richard. <laughs> and, and it says, Adam, this is Eve. She is your companion. You know, and Eve, this is Adam, you know, and so forth. And then they go, okay, but who's he? And he says, oh, that's Keith Richard. He was here when I got here. <laughs> hey, take me out. Hasta luego. Bye, horse. <laughs>